wasn't that pretty and powerful as well. There are those times in life when we do not have words to pray, but the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the scripture says, makes intercession for us in his own words. He interprets our heart, and that's a blessing. Praise the Lord. It's good to be back behind the pulpit here. I often think about the years and the people that have gone. You know, that's just a way of life, isn't it? And uh, I think it was about 27 years ago, or will be this year, I guess, uh, that I left here as pastor. And yet, uh, I'm thankful the Holy Spirit didn't leave, and God didn't leave, and some of you didn't leave, and some of you came in. And I'm thankful for all of that. And uh, so appreciative. I got the same text, Randy, from Pastor John. And uh, he also, we communicated a little bit. And he told me, do not worry about preaching. You can preach till 1 o'clock. They, they uh, won't hurt them a bit. <laughs> uh, no, he didn't. Uh, and uh, uh, he uh, also said that he'll be uh, getting back into town, I believe he said Friday night, so uh, he'll be tired, he'll be weary, he'll be excited, and uh, uh, he'll be blessed, I know, so uh, praise the Lord, uh, I don't know, it was over 30 years ago that Susie and I, and Orrin and Veer, and Raider and Robin, and uh, Cecil and Vicki, and uh, Rita Seidel, uh, I was trying to think if there's anybody else from the church. Went to Israel and made some lifelong friends and had some life-changing experiences and uh, still have great memories, don't we, Cecil? Uh, Robin on a camel, that was fun. It was. <laughs> and he'll have some, and I, hopefully they'll have some good pictures to share. Uh, he told me to give a quick update, and I, I intend to do that on our ministry. Um, praise God, last year, again, we were able to raise $1,000 a month for 10 pastors in Myanmar. We do it quarterly, so it was $3,000 that I sent, I don't know, January 2nd when I got back. I'd received the check at uh, inconvenient time and uh, was away, and, and, and I sent that to them. And I thank God for that. And the, what, what made that up was support from churches. Uh, we have a couple of churches that support us monthly, other churches that support uh, different occasions, uh, and then individuals who give, and then those who buy uh, Dr. Padron's books. Last year, he gave everything from the sale of his book uh, to the Myanmar pastor's support. And a percentage or part of what... Uh, I get from mine does as well. And by the way, I have some over here. I finally got another order in. And uh, uh, there's also my prayer card and a newsletter. And I meant to put over there a notebook or something where you could write your address down. And if you want the newsletter monthly, then it can be mailed to you at your home. 
but I didn't do that. So if you write your address down, hand it to me uh, on a piece of paper or something. I write an article in that every month, and uh, Dr. Padrone does as well, and give you, keep you up to date a little bit on uh, that ministry. Um, as for what's happening in Myanmar, uh, you know, or I told you that there was a coup that took place in uh, February of uh, 2021. At the same time, COVID was going on and had a lot of uh, issues uh, the people did uh, with both. Uh, the coup is still, the military is still in charge of the government. They just took over. They rode in. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't have time to dwell here, but they just rode in in about four or five vehicles with soldiers, went in and arrested the president of the company or the country and took over and said, and put, them, put her in jail. And she's still in jail, as far as I know. She's being treated well, I think. But uh, they do are planning some elections this year. And because of that, they're playing nice a little bit now. And so they've allowed the people more freedom. The churches are able to meet uh, regularly twice a day. Uh, they're able to uh, uh, open up schools. The banks are open. I was able to start sending money through Western Union uh, to the bank, which is cheaper than the way we were having to do it, smuggling it in, actually. Uh, and uh, so that's been a blessing. Uh, they opened their, their university back up, uh, have 40 students, and they have uh, graduation next month, the one that Susan and I were at three years ago. And uh, they will graduate 10 students and sending them out to serve the Lord. Some of them are ladies. They'll go out as missionaries or nurses or whatever, uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for that and excited about that. Next summer, hopefully by next summer, we'll be able to do Zoom meetings within the school, and uh, Dr. Padrone will teach. I'll be able to teach little small uh, things. I do a Zoom meeting on Friday night. Uh, I do Zoom meetings with other. I've, been, I've done a Zoom meeting in Pakistan. I've done Zoom meetings in India. What a wonderful privilege that is to be able to uh, reach people that I can't go there now. I mean, we still can't go to Myanmar. I hope by 2024 to be able to go and take some people with us. And uh, uh, so uh, you pray with us about that. Um, I mentioned the book and uh, the newsletter. And uh, this week I'll be leaving Wednesday headed on a southern trip, preaching in Florida, several places, meeting with several pastors. So I covet your prayers as we travel. Uh, I'll be going by myself uh, on Wednesday. Susie will be flying down in a week. We'll see my brother also, but uh, we, I'll be preaching in uh, two or three churches and meeting with several pastors uh, along the way. So I appreciate your prayers for our travel this week. And then tonight, uh, uh, I want to bring a message that I think speaks to us all. It, and uh, when Pastor John asked me to speak, uh, this was the first thought that came to my mind. This message that I want to bring tonight on seven disciplines in discouragement. Any of y'all ever been discouraged? Anybody discouraged today? 
You might not want to speak that. But uh, seven disciplines and discouragement, uh, I think there's something in that that uh, hopefully will help us. I heard a story about uh, a rabbi and a priest that were real good friends. And they, they were fishing buddies. And, of course, as fishing buddies, this story could go a lot of different directions, but uh, most of them lies. But <laughs> they were fishing buddies. And uh, uh, they went out on this lake regularly, just off the shore, out into the shallows, and uh, they would fish. Well, they got the idea that they would invite the local Baptist preacher to join them. And uh, he went, and he probably was thinking, I can witness to both of them, you know, just I'll have them in the boat, and I'll be all good. Well, they were out there a good long while, and the rabbi decided he needed to go to the restroom, so he just stepped out of the boat and walked across the water to the restroom. He come back. Nothing was said, which is kind of surprising, but that's the way the story goes. A little bit later, the priest stepped out of the boat, walked right across the water, went to the restroom, come back. As soon as he got back, the Baptist preacher thought, I don't really need to go, but I, if they can walk on the water, surely I can too. So he stepped out of the boat and plump, down he went. Down into the water. And the rabbi turned to the priest and said, do you think we should have told him where the rocks were? Well, I hope in this message that the Lord has put on my heart for this morning that I'll not drown in it. I want to talk to you about worship, and you can find Genesis chapter 22. Like the little boy, this he said his sermon was on God, you know, and his text was the Bible. Uh, this is a big subject. There are over a hundred times in our English Bible where the word worship is found. And there are a couple hundred times where it is translated in some other way, such as bowed down or uh, kissed. Uh, and really that's the idea as far as an English understanding of the word. It means to bow down before to kiss the hand. You know, uh, in kings, people will bow before them because they're a king. I've often thought, what would I do if I was ever in that presence? I've saved my bowing for Jesus. Now, remember that uh, Virginia Tech girl I heard just about this week. She wouldn't bow when they were doing some uh, social activism, something or other. She was a soccer player. She wouldn't bow, and things didn't really go real well for her, and she won a lawsuit uh, this week. Uh, and she didn't say this, but she did communicate. I saw her interviewed. She had the cross necklace, and she said, I'm a Christian. Well, Christians bow to Jesus. 
And that's the idea. Kiss the hand of Jesus. We worship. I want to read this passage. I think you'll recognize it quickly. I'll try to read it quickly and give you the few thoughts that I have this morning. Hopefully, they'll be a blessing and they'll help you. Have you ever wondered before I read it? Have you ever wondered, am I doing this right? Am I worshiping God right? We ought to think those kind of thoughts and ask the Holy Spirit to lead us as we do. Genesis 22, 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son clave the wood for the burnt offering rose and went unto the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And this is not in my message, but can I say, often worship is a private thing. We think of it as a public thing. We're in a worship service here, but this was a private thing here. He didn't want the servants with him. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. He took the fire in his hand uh, and the knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father, and said, My father, now, Isaac had been to worship with his father before. My father, and he said, Here am I my son, and he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering, for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. That I have underlined in my Bible. You ought to underline it in your Bible and think about Jesus because this goes right to him. God himself, somebody might be thinking about what's about to take place. God provided a lamb. Behold the lamb of God, John said, that taketh away the sin of the world. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and, and uh, uh, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood on the, in order and bound Isaac his son. Most people believe Isaac was somewhere between uh, seven, eight years old and 15 years old, somewhere in there. Pretty submissive son, huh? Boy, there's preaching there too, but I ain't going to do it today. But wow, thank God for submissive children. He bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know, now I know 
that thou fearest God. Seeing, I wonder if he did not know what ahead before that. Well, he being God, he did. But now he knows that Abraham knows that he is God. Seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply uh, thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate uh, of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. Let's pray. Father, help me now to communicate the truths on my heart in an understandable way, in a uh, way in which the Holy Spirit of God can use it and uh, enable us to have ears to hear and hearts to obey, that Jesus be lifted up and glorified. If anybody's lost, they'll come to him, they'll bow before him, they'll know the pardon of sin and the forgiveness thereof and set out on a course of worship in their own life. And I pray, Lord, that every one of us would be challenged with the thoughts about the subject of worship. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a theological principle of Bible study uh, among theologians called the, the law of first mention. The law of first mention. That means when you find a word in the Bible... The first time it's mentioned, uh, it is understood to be the simplest and most understandable uh, reference from, from which other mentions of that word are built. For example, uh, the word grace. Randy taught on grace this morning in Sunday school, did a great job talking about grace. And uh, you remember in the Genesis chapter 5, the Lord said, the wickedness of man's come up before me and I'm going to destroy all of them. Chapter 6 and verse 8 says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now it wasn't that Noah was any less wicked than them. It wasn't that Noah was some shining uh, beacon upon a hill. He proved that a little bit later. If you read on in the story, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we learn a lot about grace. I don't want to dwell there, but we learn a lot about grace from the first mention of it. It means I was going to destroy, but I'm not going to destroy him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's grace. I hope you're in on that. I hope you experience that. Noah found grace. 
Well, verse 5 of this passage of Scripture is the first mention of the word worship. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. That's the first mention of the word worship in our English Bible. Now, I have to be honest and say that there are two other mentions of this word, the Hebrew word. Now, I know very little about Hebrew. I do a piece for Israel Bible study by Zoom on Friday nights. I speak in it sometimes. I listen to it often. We have a lady there who teaches. She's a Hebrew Christian. She teaches in a Hebrew school. And, man, I feel like I know nothing now about Hebrew when I heard her tell some of these truths. But the word in Genesis chapter 18, bow down. Uh, you might remember that passage. That's when Abraham was met by the angels and they told Abraham, we're going to destroy Sodom and, you know, Lot was down there. And then the angels and the Lord went to Sodom and they found, uh, uh, what did I say his name? Lot. And there he was in Sodom and Lot recognized them and bowed down. That's his work. There's some learning you can do about worship there as well, uh, and it would be very worthy. But this is the first time the English word is mentioned uh, in our Bible. And I just want to give you two or three thoughts about this, four actually. I could give you more, but I probably won't get four in well. So I'm going to give you to you quickly. Number one, worship, the, the sovereignty of worship. If you look at verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things, that God, that God, that every word of the Bible is inspired by God. Abraham didn't just decide, I'm going to go up on the mountain and worship. He probably had done that before, and he would do that again, but this time it says God told him to go. The sovereignty of worship. Worship is not a man-made thing. Uh, animals do not worship. You notice that? No animals in church today are there. I don't reckon unless you brought them. They don't worship. There is a difference. They don't worship. I know people love their animals, but if you see somebody praying, if you see an animal praying, take a picture and send it to me and then I'll call you a liar. I'll say you faked that picture. They don't worship. But at, worship is not a human thing. It's a God-ordained, established event that takes place. Fallen man struggles with worship. Uh, we confuse it. We obviously have corrupted it because it is not a fleshly action, attitude, or appetite. Worship is not a fleshly action, attitude, or appetite. You didn't come here because in your flesh you decided to come and worship. And redemption reinstituted our ability to worship. Uh, Worship is a sovereign thing. Now, Satan desires worship. He, his whole plan with Adam and Eve in the garden. The serpent wanted worship. 
when Satan tempted the Lord, Matthew 4 and Luke, he said, all this I'll give you if you will worship me. And the Lord could have laughed at him, should have laughed at him. We would have laughed at him. Worship belongs to God, comes from God, was established by God, and it can only be to him and for him. John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it's the spirit within us. It's the spirit. That's why anything, I, I can't go here, but I want to. Anything within us or anything that without us is good, I can't take credit for it. You can't take credit for it. I can't brag on it. It is God. It, every good and perfect gift cometh down from above. There's nothing good in us. Worship is a sovereign thing. Secondly, the surrender of worship. The surrender of worship. You'll notice in verse 1 that it says that God did tempt Abraham. Now the word tempt there can mean in English tempt to sin, which we know God doesn't do, James chapter 1, or test. So he was testing Abraham. He's testing Abraham's worship, loyalty. So much could be thought about there. Worship is a test of our surrender. Did you know that God tests our surrender? Can I be honest with you this morning? I don't like church. Now you're looking at me like inside your heart and it's going, what? I've been in church all my life. Uh, I, I've been in the ministry over 40 years. What do you mean you don't like church? I'm trying to get you to understand that our flesh doesn't like worship of God. Our flesh likes worship of self. Our flesh likes uh, a lot of things that are revolved around worship, but my flesh, how many of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand or say it, but how many of y'all have these struggles on Sunday morning? I don't want to go. You want to, I don't want to go. Maybe you had those conversations. I just don't feel, funny how you feel bad on Sundays the rest of the week you get up and go. You don't have this conversation. That's because you don't like worship either. Your flesh, my flesh, and if we do, it's for the wrong reason because there's nothing in our flesh that is of any positive nature. By the way, don't just take the statement that I made and not take the context of it. My flesh rarely likes services, and when it does, it's for the wrong reason. Worship is a call 
to what my flesh doesn't like. Randy, you quoted uh, Romans 7 where Paul said, uh, in me, that is in my flesh. Now this is Paul, the one who wrote most of our Bible, New Testament. In me, that is in my flesh, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I started to tell you to turn to your neighbor and tell you there's nothing good in you, but I don't want to get you men in trouble with your wife. Sorry, I'm not going to do that. But just admit it. There's nothing good in us. We are fallen creatures. This flesh that we live in, it'll be that way until they scrape us up and take us off to the funeral home. And then one day, God will change our flesh. It will be made like Jesus. Now, there's something in me that does like worship. That's the Spirit. But if I grieve him and quench him, he don't get the voice that he ought to get. And therein lies often many of our problems. This might help you. It helped me. Look at church attendance as a test of your worship to God. Now, that's a small test. Remember, Abraham's was tested. I want you to do this. We didn't even got to the this. But look at church attendance. You're still, I don't want to go. I, I heard him announce his sermon topic. I don't want to hear that. I, 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 you might like the singing. You might like something else, but you just don't, you, whatever. You, you, you. So it's easy now in the days of COVID. I'm feeling a little bit of runny nose. I think I'll stay home. Watch it on TV, in my pajamas, with a cup of coffee. Now, I appreciate that. I'm able to catch up on stuff later. But I hear, here's what I'm saying is, you can say, this is an act of worship. I'm going to church to worship not the preacher, not the teacher, not the musicians, not the pews, not the building, not the people. I'm going to worship God. This is a test of my worship. When that thought come into my mind about three, four, five months ago, it helped me because I struggle when I'm not preaching. Funny, huh? So I wonder when I preach if I ever worship. That's a whole different story. So worship, the surrender of worship, There's just write them down, think about them later. The sacrifice of worship. By the way, let me give you a verse before we move to that. Matthew 18, 8 and 9 says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is far from me, but in vain, that vain means worthless, they do worship. Waller in that a little while and you'll get convicted. I do. Number three, the sacrifice of worship. Sacrifice of worship. We will never worship well until we learn and are willing to sacrifice everything to God. 
number one, your stuff. Abraham's a good example of it. Don't have time to go look at it. He left the Ur of Chaldees. He left all his stuff. He some wealth there. Why did he do that? Because he was worshiping God, not his stuff. You got to give up worship of yourself. You got to sacrifice yourself. Well, I think nobody cares what you think. God cares about what his word says, what his spirit says. Worship is about sacrifice. Sacrifice yourself. You'll never do what Abraham did in this passage as long as yourself has not been laid on the cross and at the foot of the cross. And someone said, and you'll have to lay it there every day because the rascal has a tendency to crawl away. Sacrifice yourself. The last time... Uh, Susie and I got to hear Dr. Bobby Robertson preach. Some of y'all remember Dr. Bobby Robertson. He preached here several times when I was here. Wonderful man of God. He's with Jesus now. The last time we heard him preach was Franklin Road Baptist Church, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. They were honoring him that night. And he preached a sermon. And his text, I believe, was what Paul said, I Die daily. Now, all of that's important, and it's a sermon in itself. You've got to do it daily. I die daily. Fantastic sermon. We still have it on the CD somewhere. We need to find it. We've listened to it a dozen times. Brother Bobby, wonderful man. He was telling a story in that sermon, and he said, Dr. Lester Roloff, Colin, you know Dr. Lester Roloff. Wonderful man of God in heaven today too. Most of the ones that I admire are in heaven today. Still a few left. But. He was with Dr. Roloff and some other preachers and they were just fellowshipping. In the course of time, he said something kind of cutting to Dr. Roloff. You know, picking. We do that. We pick at each other. And uh, they their meeting broke up and he went away and and uh, then Dr. Roloff, uh, or then Brother Bobby, got to feeling bad about what he said and picking at Dr. Roloff. I shouldn't have said that to him. Well, Lord, if we didn't say what we shouldn't say, we'd have a whole lot less conversation, wouldn't we? <laughs> That's another sermon. Anyway, he called him. He said, Dr. Roloff, I, I am so sorry for what I said to you. Uh, he said, don't apologize for that. He said, but I shouldn't have said it. He said, if, I don't want to offend you. He said, if I'm offended, it's my fault. Brother Bobby said, what? Brother Dr. Roloff said, if I'm offended, it's my fault. I'm supposed to be dead. You can't offend a dead person. Go on down to the cemetery and try to offend a dead person or to the undertaker. You can't make them mad for nothing. They're dead. Dr. Roloff said, if, I, if I'm offended by that, then I'm in the flesh and offended by that, and I should not have been. And Brother Bobby said, I just was amazed. But that's true. Worship, the sacrifice of worship. Worship. 
How in the world could God ask Adam to sacrifice his son? His promised son. The same way he asked us to sacrifice our stuff and our self and our sons and our daughters. And we can cry out like Paul and say, I don't want to. God can do what God wants to do. And our flesh might say, does it make sense to me? Can you imagine the conversation that Abraham and Sarah had? Sarah, I need to talk to you. The Lord says for me to take our son, Isaac, remember who he was, promised seed, up on the mountain and sacrifice him. Can you imagine that conversation? Oh, I don't know what she told him or what he told himself. But he decided that day that I want to do and worship God more than anything else. How did he do that? Well, Hebrews then later tells us, by the way, verse 5 gives us some insight. It said, we're going to go worship and come again unto you. And Hebrews tells us that Abraham, either by the Spirit of God or within themselves, understood that he would sacrifice that child and watch God raise him from the dead. Fleshly speaking, that's how he did it or how he was willing to do it. But oh my Sacrifice for it. What'd you sacrifice to come to worship today? There's so much here. Our problem is we want to worship without sacrifice. And worship by its very nature means sacrifice. Sacrifice. Die to self. Die to this world's goods. You ain't taking none of it with you. Why hoard it? And these children will be much better off if you sacrifice them to God. We live in a day, and this, again, I don't have time. We live in a day where children are gods. What do you want to do, Johnny? Well, I don't want to go to church. Okay, you don't have to go. Did your daddy ever ask you that question? I didn't think so, no. What in the world's wrong with this country of Christians? Sacrifice. Whatever makes us happy, whatever brings us satisfaction in this world, sacrifice it. Surrender it to the Lord. And I'm not done. There's one last one I wanted to give you. And every one of these I could have preached a lot longer on, as you can be imagined. The sweetness of worship. Now, they go up there on the mountain. He takes his son, whatever age he was, and puts him on that pile of wood, and he's got the fire, and he takes the knife out because that's the way they did the sacrifice. You kill the thing before you burn the thing. 
raises it up. And Abraham hears a voice. <laughs> he says, Abraham, yeah, huh, what? Yes, yes, Lord, I recognize that, but don't do it. Thank you, Lord. The Lord himself provided a sacrifice, and there's a, a, a lamb in the thicket. Go get it, put it on there, kill it. Can you imagine that trip home? Can you imagine what that did for Isaac? Oh, my. And then Abraham starts talking, and I don't have time to read all of these. We read them earlier. But he says, he called the place Jehovah-Jireh. There's three thoughts there. The provision of the Lord, God provided. The presence of the Lord, he shall be seen. And the promises of the Lord. And verse 17 says, because you've done this, not withheld your son, I'm going to give you all this stuff. Now, wait a minute. Those promises were made previously. Is he, would he have not given them to him? No, he just knew Abraham would do what he said he would do. And all of the blessings there's this mixture of things that go on in our spiritual journey. It's all by grace. It's all for God's glory. By his grace, for his glory, by his power. Spirit of God does it in us. We're nothing. We're dirty, rotten sinners. But yet, as we go through this journey, there's all these blessings. And you look back and you say, it started there. I had such a blessing in Myanmar, but the opportunity was given me when I was exhausted from pastoring. And Dino says, would you go to Myanmar? I didn't even know where it was. Then when I found out where it was, it's like, I don't want to. So I, Susie said, can I go with you? And what she was saying, uh, let's go over and die together. We don't want to die separate. Felt like we was going to die a few times there. But my goodness, what the doors the Lord has opened since then. I could go back to the day that I knelt uh, by my bed and surrendered to preach and, and then look forward. And I'm nothing. I'm nobody. Rick Ramsey is a wicked, filthy sinner. If you knew me like I know me, you would all say, Amen. Some of you know me a little better than others. Thank you for not saying amen. <laughs> Nothing good in me, but there is someone good in me. And the Spirit of God takes your surrender and your sacrifice and turns it to sweetness. Hallelujah. There was an individual by the name of Judson Vandeventer. He was an art teacher in Ohio. Got some teachers here. He was good. He was so good, he got to go to Europe to teach art for a time in Europe. Now, you know, that, that's good. He's really good. But for so long, he had this, he was a Christian, 
He had something going on inside of him. And, he, and, and God said, I want you to do this. And he said, in order to do that, I got to sacrifice that. He struggled. But he finally surrendered. And he became a preacher, an evangelist. And he had some influence on Billy Graham. Billy Graham shares the story about how he would teach them. And he also became a songwriter uh, in his later years. This happened in the uh, late 1800s, and he was meeting with Billy Graham at his school and those students in the 1930s. Um, Judson Vandevetter in the late 1800s, 1896, wrote a song. Randy, I'm not singing either. The song says, All to Jesus, I surrender. This is a song that all of us hesitate with, isn't it? Randy, you mentioned, I think, in Sunday school. There's some songs, and it's like, my meaning is. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. All to him, I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. All to Jesus, I surrender. Humbly at his feet I bow. That's worship, bowing. Worldly pleasure all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. All to Jesus I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. I can surrender right now, and in five minutes, I'll be my flesh will just be climbing all over me. And that's why he says, make me Savior, holy thine. May thy Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. All to Jesus I surrender. Lord, I give myself to thee. Fill me with thy love and power. Let thy blessings fall on me. How's your worship this morning? Did you come here to worship today? I was kind of hoping the choir would sing today, but I missed it. But I sure did enjoy Hot Rod and I sure enjoyed hearing him quote scripture. Did you come to worship today? You know, every time I come to church reluctantly, it's an act of worship. My flesh didn't want to go. When I leave, it's like, man, I'm glad God won that one. And I can't brag about being there. <laughs> Never can. How's your worship? Next time you're getting ready to come, church doors open, they're having church service. Think. When you think, I don't want to go. That's your flesh talking. Say, I surrender all to Jesus. I'm going to go worship him. It'll help you. It's helped me. Let's pray. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I wonder if anybody here doesn't know Christ as your Savior. Jesus died for you that he might give you everlasting life.
He wants to do it. Would you trust him right now, right where you are? Just call on the name of the Lord. Bow before him in your heart or come to the altar. Run to the altar. Let God have his way if you've never been born again. But I'm speaking to a lot of born again people. How's your worship? Why don't we, anew and afresh, say right now in this moment, I surrender all. I don't know what my flesh will try to do this afternoon, but right now in this moment, I surrender all. I may have to redo it again tonight, but I surrender all. Father, help us to do your will. Be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing that song. It's 496 in your hymn book. All to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all. Sing it a little slower. Think about the words. Here we go. All to Jesus, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in presence daily live. I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Sing verse 3, all to Jesus I surrender Make me Savior, holy thine. May the Holy Spirit fill me. May I know thy power divine. I surrender all. I surrender Let's bow our head. She's just going to play it softly for a moment. There may be somebody God's dealing with you. He's saying to you, I want you to give this. And your flesh is saying, I can't give that. I can't surrender that. And the Spirit of God is in you saying, I can't bless you until you do. Maybe you need to come. Maybe you need to say to the Lord, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.